we've been in a series that we're calling No Longer Slaves, and it's a study of Galatians. Um, Paul wrote the letter of Galatians uh, to a group of churches in the region of Galatia, and he wrote it because he saw a significant threat to the purity of the gospel in that region. Right? Uh, they were being influenced by a group of, of Jewish Christians that believed they had to keep the law of Moses in order to be saved. Paul reacts like really forcefully to this message. He says, "Like, no, this is not this is not the true gospel. When we when we uh, taint the gospel, we run the risk of losing it. Right? We run the risk of disqualifying ourselves." And he speaks strongly to bring the Galatians back to a proper perspective. So, like, this is that's like cool. Like, Paul did a great job, right? But like, why do we care? Right? He fixed the Galatian church. Right? The Galatian church came came around. They they did everything right. So why do we care? Because the gospel is still under attack, right? To this day, the same issues that were happening then, they're still happening today. The gospel is what we call a truth intention. You might have heard Jake speak about that last week. So a truth intention means that right here in the middle, we've got the gospel, right? But on either side, we've got these two false gospels, right? We call those legalism and license, right? So legalism is saying, I have to do all of this other stuff then I can come back to God, and God will accept me. God will be happy with me, right? And then there's license. License says, I'm saved, so I'll just do whatever I want, right? So I, I'm, I'm saved, so I don't have to worry about being changed. I don't have to worry about uh, God changing my heart. I, I'm, I'm saved. I'll go to heaven. We're all good, right? But we tend to either lean one way or the other, but the truth is not in one way or the other. The truth is in the tension, right? G.K. Chesterton talks about this. He says, he says all truths are in tension. There, when you, when you, can, you can take any truth and you can lean one way or lean the other, but every truth is right here in the middle. Every truth is in tension. Um, let's see here. So God has given us a promise, right? And that promise is right here in this tension. He said that he will give us his spirit if only we ask. He says that, the, that the, he has the power to change us but that is not something we can do ourselves, right? So legalism, it's not something we can do ourselves, right? So legalism doesn't work. So we, we can't go over there. But we, we also can't just not change at all because God has given us the power, right? Uh, we'll talk about later in Galatians 4, verse 7. It says, God has given us a spirit that will teach us to call out Abba Father. It teaches us to, to call out Abba Father. It, to me, that means to worship, to live a life of worship, and a life of worship is going to be righteous. And it's, and it's not that we're going to be righteous, but Christ is going to teach us to be righteous through his Holy Spirit. Right? Paul is very adamant about correcting the perception of the gospel because he knew that the Galatians were in danger of just throwing it away. He knew that the, that the freedom that they had just gained in Christ was in danger. And so he gives them a little bit of tough love. Right? So that, that, that kind of brings us up to where, to where we were and actually where we're going into. Uh, so Jake, last week, he covered Galatians chapter 1 and 2. I'm going to start on chapter 3, verse 1. And it'll be right, right up here on the screen. It says, you foolish Galatians. Right? Paul starts off strong. He's like, he's like you foolish Galatians. You don't see Paul speak quite like this very often. Though throughout the whole book of Galatians, his, his language is quite aggressive because he is, he's irritated. He says, he, he's, he's maybe irritated at the Galatians. He's also very irritated at these people that have come in. It says, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. I would like to learn just one thing from you. 
Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning by means of the Spirit, are you now trying to finish by means of the flesh? Now, that, that, that word, like beginning by the Spirit and ending by the flesh, uh, if, if you didn't grow up in church or, or, or haven't been to, to very many church services, though, that sounds, sounds kind of funny, right? Like the flesh, that's a, that's a funny word. But it says, begin by the Spirit, so the, the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, began a work in you. The flesh is us, right? That's what we can do. He says, so if God began this work, who do you think you are that you can finish it? Right? So er, earlier in this, in this verse, this word bewitched, that, that spoke as a kind of funny word to me, like bewitched. We don't, we don't use that word very, very much. We, there's a TV show called Bewitched, right? Look at your nose. But uh, so he says, who has bewitched you? So I looked at this word, Bascaino, uh, if I'm pronouncing that correctly, uh, was used in the time the same way that we would use like the word charmed, or if, if you were a bewitcher, you were charming, right? So this word charmed, uh, can we, can, well, no, that word, but as we look at it in the way of charmed, it says, appealed to a selfish vanity, right? So these people are coming in and they're appealing to a selfish vanity that these people have. They're being manipulated, right? Paul's saying, you're being manipulated. <laughs> Someone has appealed to this weakness, this, little, this, this weakness over here, this insecurity, this pride, this, this sense that you can do it on yourselves, or it might be a, a sense of fear, this fear that, oh, we're heading into a new system. I don't know. I don't know, right? So he's come in and he's, he's picked out that weakness. He's picked, that, picked out that selfish vanity, and, it, and they've started to manipulate, uh, manipulate the, the Galatian church. Like, have you, have you ever been manipulated? Like, it, it's, it's not fun. And if you see a loved one being manipulated, it's even worse, right? Because you, you can see it, but it's a little touchy. Like, how can, I, how can I tell him, right? Every time I go into Comcast, like, I, I, see, I, I see it happening, right? right? I, I walk in, I've got a broken TV remote. And I'm like, uh, so my TV remote is not working. Can you maybe fix it? And they're like, oh, yeah, yeah, let's, let's see. I'll have my tech take a look at it. Uh, while he's taking a look at it, you know, for only like 10 bucks a month, I can lock in this price for three months. For only 10 bucks a month, I can get you bundled in with a landline as well. Right. 10 bucks a month, they're like, it'll make you look so much more professional. Like the landlines, they, they, everybody loves like calling you on a landline. <laughs> you know, I hate landlines. Last time, I was, last time I had a landline, I was 14 years old, and my voice still sounded like this. And every time somebody called, I'd be like, hello. They'd be like, oh, hey, Cherie. That's my sister's name. And then, and then we'd have this funny talk. They'd be like, oh, you're 14. It'll, you'll come, it'll be coming around soon. Uh, there's like a three-minute long awkward conversation that I have to have with some random person who just called my phone about my changing body. <laughs> I, I don't like landlines, right? The, that, and that's, that's what Paul is saying. Like, landlines are not good for me. Paul is saying, the law is not good for you, right? right? He's saying, this, this, this is not good for you anymore. Landlines were great 20 years ago, right? Right, it was great. You wait by the phone, waiting for somebody to call you. But, but he says, these are not good for you anymore, right? Uh, so Galatians 5, 7, he says, you are running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? Paul says, you had it right, 
right? You had it right before. It was clear as a picture. That, that, that verse uh, 3.1 says, uh, Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He said, like, you saw it. You saw the vision. You had it right. But then, like, something twisted. And Paul poses a rhetorical question next in verse 2 that we already read. He says, like, who's, like who started this work? Like, how did, it, how did it come about? He knows the answer, right? right? He knows that, that they started it in the Spirit. But then he posed, and, and then in verse 3, he comes to full stride. I'm going to read this again in the message paraphrase because I really like it. Uh, let me put this question, a question to you. How did your new life begin? Was it by working your heads off to please God? Or was it by responding to God's message to you? Are you going to, to continue this craziness? For only crazy people would think they could complete by their own efforts what was begun by God. If you weren't smart enough or strong enough to begin it, how do you suppose that you could perfect it? Did you go through this whole painful learning process for nothing? It is not yet a total loss, but it certainly will be if you keep this up. These Judaizers, theologians call them, manipulators, right? They've come in and they've said, this whole Christ thing, it's, it's, it's great. But if you want to be a real Christian, you have to follow the law of Moses first. So the first step of the law of Moses was to be circumcised. That's why we see all this talk in Galatians about circumcision. It's not just like Paul having this weird obsession, right? It's, it's the, but the circumcision symbolized putting yourself back under the law, right? It, it was this first step to putting yourself back under, under the law, saying, I can achieve salvation by my own strength, or I can at least help my salvation with my own strength, right? They're saying, like, Christ is good, but he needs a push, right? He, he needs a little bit of help. Who do you think you are that any action you take or do not take could compare or stand in the same arena as what Christ has done? Do you really think you can add to what Christ has done? Right? I want to take a, a little bit step back. Uh, the law we we're talking about here, it was given by God, right? So how can it be bad for these people to keep the law? How can it, like, they're, they're doing these things that are in it. God told people to do these things. Like, God, did God change his mind? No, no, God doesn't change his mind. God is a perfect God. The issue here, or, yeah, the issue here is not in the actions themselves. It's in the motivations behind the actions, right? Just like everything since Christ stepped on the scene, it became less about what you do and more about why you do it, right? So, when Christians start turning to religion, actions, appearances for salvations, for, or, to, or, to, or to qualify us for salvation, right? We're saying, Jesus wasn't enough. His payment wasn't sufficient. I've got to do something, right? I've got to do something. But, it, and that, that's hard for us to, to, to realize. Like, I've got to, I, I, I need to do something. Like, this is such a big, big deal. I've got to do something. But Christ is saying, like, no, you've got to have faith. It, it, it's only through faith that you, can, that you can receive my sacrifice because my payment was worth it. Right? Paul is pointing out the dangerous slope that this philosophy is. He's saying, he's saying like, if, you, if you start here, you start going, you're going to be back where you were 400 years ago. Right? You're going to be back where you were 
when you were when you were under the law, when you uh, when you were in slavery to the law. In the Old Testament, God gave the Israelites a promise. He said He would take them out of slavery and into a land of, abund- of abundance, right? Out of Egypt and into the promised land. God says, "All you got to do is take it. I've done everything. I've done all the work. Just go and get it." Right? God takes them out of slavery and to the land he had promised. He just does it. He does everything. He gets them there, guides them there, breaks them out of, breaks them out of Egypt. But they get there and they see all these huge warriors, right? And they start to believe, God, God may not be big enough to do this, right? God may not be big enough to fulfill his promise. How many times do we think this way with our salvation? We say, like, don't you see these giants in my life? Like, don't you see what's, like, I, I got to fix this. I, I got to get a few things right first. Then I can come, to, then I can come and, and come before God, and then he can save me. Right? God can take care of all this little stuff. But I got to take care of the giants in my life first. I've got to take care of this pill addiction. I've got to take care of sexual immorality, this violent anger. I've got I've to take care of it. I've got I've to figure out how to suppress it. So that God can be happy with me. Because if God's happy with me, then he'll save me. Then he'll change me. And Jake talks about the red button effect. I'm sure if you've been here for uh, several services, you've, you've, you've heard him talk about the red button effect. It says, we don't have the, do, have the power to do things that we don't want to do. Or to, to do the things that we want to do. We sit here and we say, I don't, I don't want to do that. I don't want to push that red button. I'm not going 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 to push that red button. Right? It's all we think about and then we do it. And we, we, we don't realize that we unleash the power of the gospel when we give the responsibility over to God. Right? So we don't have the power to, to not push this red button. We don't have the power to stop watching this. We don't have the power to stop taking this. We don't have the power to stop hitting him. Like, we, we, don't, we don't have that power. But we unleash that power when we give it to God. Right? Right here, right here. Like, the gospel is like Friends, the TV show. Yeah? Yeah? I, I think I woke a few people up there. Like, you were, you were, sleeping, you were sleeping in the back, and I, and I woke you up. Like, whoa, that's, the gospel is like Friends. That's not right. That can't be right. That can't be right. That's not good. Uh, but there's, there's an episode of Friends where somebody, they're like, they really like this guy, but they know it's not good for him, right? And they're like, I'll call him. I know I will. Take my phone. They, they give their phone to their friend. They say, I can't do it. Take my phone. I just stepped on a Bible. They say, I can't do this. I can't do it by myself. So I've got to, I've got to give it to this friend, right? I've got, to, I've got to get this out of my hands so I stop thinking about it because when I think about it, I'm going to do it. Right? Under this false Christianity, we get stuck living by something other than faith. The Israelites did this, and they were cursed. That generation was disqualified from the promise that God had given. God has given us a promise that through faith in Christ, and that alone, right? Not anything else, but through faith in Christ and that alone, we are no longer slaves, but heirs to the kingdom of heaven and eternal life. Right? The Israelites were slaves in Egypt, but God brought them out of slavery. 
Now, this, like Egypt, it was probably the most advanced civilization of the time. And the Israelites were slaves. They had nothing. And God, God brings them out. They weren't trained as, as warriors, like nothing, right? God brings them out. But somewhere along the line, they, they shifted, right? They said, God, you started this, but I've got to finish it, right? You started this, but I've got to finish it. When they, when they got to the promised land, they saw the army. Some of them said, I would rather live as a slave in Egypt than die here. Right? Fear was driving them to return to the familiar security of what they once knew. Right? Jesus' sacrifice brought people who believe out of slavery. He says, you're no longer there. I brought you out of slavery, just like God did. He says, no longer in slavery. I did it all. You're, you're out. Now just follow me and do what I say. Take this land. It's all yours. I've done it for you. Just live by faith. Just live by faith. Go do it. But the, the, the Galatians, they started to fear that that sacrifice, it wasn't enough. So fear and pride start driving them back to this familiar security. Yeah. The familiar security of the law. They're like, we've done this, we've done it this way for, for a long time. We've done it this way for a long time. It wasn't great, but I, I know God said, God said it, right? But, but they're, 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 get, they're being disqualified from all of these other promises, right? The Egyptians were like, we could live, we could live in that slavery. We, we got food, we got shelter. But God's saying, I want so much more. Like, I want you to have so much more. And, and, and I want to I bring you out of that slavery, yes. But I also want to bring you into a land of abundance. I want to bring you blessings. I want to bring you into the life that I have planned for you, but it's not back here. Right? Paul is saying, like, stop. Right? Paul, Paul is very aggressively saying, like, you've got to stop. You're going to disqualify yourselves from the freedom that God is offering. You cannot keep one foot on the boat and one foot on the dock. You can't hang on to what God has promised and also, or you can't hang on to what God has called you out of, rather, and still be under the grace that he's promised. Right? They're, they're, they're mutually exclusive. Galatians chapter 3, verse 10 through 12 says, For all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. As it is written, Cursed is everyone who does not continue to do everything written in the book of the law. Clearly, no one who relies on the law is justified before God, because the righteous, the righteous will live by faith. The law is not based on faith. On the contrary, it says, The person who does these things will live by them. Right here, it says, Clearly no one who relies on the law is justified before God. It doesn't say clearly no one who relies on the law alone. It doesn't say clearly no one who uh, like kind of, kind, of follows the, kind of follows the law and then really thinks that's, that's part of their salvation. No, it says no one who even kind of relies on the law, no one who relies on the law is justified before God. It says justification comes only through faith. Right here, this word curse, we're at the beginning of that verse, for all who rely on the works of the law are under a curse. That word is specific to the punishment of God's condemnation. Right? That's the only context that it's ever used in the Greek language. It's the punishment resulting from God's condemnation. Right? The law only has the power of what's called positive punishment. 
if you look at operant conditioning, there's, there's a few different types of, of conditioning methods. One of them, positive punishment, right? It can only add a negative stimulus. That's all it can do. That's the only power it has. It can add a negative stimulus. Whereas faith in Christ is what we call negative reinforcement power, right? The power to remove a negative stimulus, right? The removing of that condemnation. That's the negative stimulus there, right? The law has the power to condemn, has the power to add that condemnation, whereas faith has the power to remove condemnation. Right there, we see, like, these things are mutually exclusive. You can't be adding and removing at the same time. These things, are, they're mutually exclusive. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 says, So now there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And because you belong to him, the power of life-giving spirit has freed you from the power of sin that leads to death. Right there, we see that. No condemnation, right? That's that, that's that, that, that negative reinforcement. He's bringing, bringing that out. There's, there is no more condemnation. So the law and faith are mutually exclusive. They do opposite things. A couple years ago, I learned how to remove viruses from computers, right? I was like, I got a virus on my computer, and I was like, great, what do I, what do, I do now? So I spent like eight hours digging through my computer. I figured out how to get the virus off. But what's my response, right? Is my response to go back to that same funky music streaming website, right? Is it like, do I go back there and download the same song again? Like, no, I... I I was able to get that virus gone, so I don't go to that site again, right? It doesn't, it doesn't make any sense. Having a virus and not having a virus are mutually exclusive states. Just as you cannot be living under your own strength and uh, through faith in Christ at the same time, right? I'm, I'm, I can't be both downloading the virus and deleting the virus at the same time. Yeah. Or it, doesn't, it doesn't work, right? right? So Romans 8 says... There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ, but the law punishes you according to condemnation. So it doesn't work, right? There is no condemnation, but the law punishes on it. They, 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 can't, they can't be both used in the same uh, context. So why the law? Why did God ever even give the law? Why didn't, when he wanted to give the law to Moses, why didn't he just then send his son? Or why didn't he just let them live like they were living before the law up until Christ comes in 0 AD, right? <laughs> so if the law wasn't God's ultimate intention, why did he give it? Paul breaks it down for us. He says, he gives us the purpose. Oh, yeah, no, Paul gives us the purpose of the law, sorry. And why it doesn't change God's promise. He says, like, this is why the law was given. And why it doesn't change what God promised Abraham 430 years before the law was given. Right? God, God promised Abraham that his descendants, or descendant rather, would be the head of a nation. Right? It says right here, Galatians uh, chapter 3, verses 15 through 25. About to read a whole 10 verses. Stay with me. Don't fall asleep. Right? I know that I know this might be an exercise for a lot of us, but I'm going to read it, read it out of the message paraphrase just because long stuff like this, it helps really get the context. Friends, let me give you an example from everyday affairs of the free life. Once a, person, once a person's will has been ratified, no one else can annul it or add to it. 
Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his descendant. You will observe that scripture, in the careful language of a legal document, does not say to descendants, referring to everybody in general, but to your descendant. The noun, note, is singular, referring to Christ. This is the way I interpret this. A will, earlier ratified by God, is not annulled by an addendum attached 430 years later, thereby negating the promises of the will. No, this addendum, with its instructions and regulations, has nothing to do with the promised inheritance of the will. I'm going to take a break. It's a lot of reading. What is the point, then, of the law, the attached addendum? It was a thoughtful addition to the original covenant, promise, covenant promises made to Abraham. The purpose of the law was to keep a sinful people in the way of salvation until Christ, the descendant, came. Inheriting the promises and, and, oh, inheriting the promises and distributing them to us. Obviously, this law was not a first-hand encounter with God. It was arranged by an angelic messenger through a middleman, Moses. But if there's a middleman, as there was at Sinai, that's where Moses was given the law, then the people are not dealing directly with God, are they? But the original promise is the direct blessing of God received by faith. If such is the case, uh, is the law then an anti-promise, a negation of God's will for us? Not at all. Its purpose was to make obvious to everyone that we are, in ourselves, out of right relationship with God. Right? The, the law shows us that, like, by ourselves, we can't, we can't have that connection. We can't, we, can't, we can't be there. Right? Let me see where I, where I am. All right. And therefore, to show us the futility of devising some religious system for getting by our own efforts, what, or getting by on our own efforts what we can only get by waiting in faith for God to complete his promise. For if any kind of rule-keeping power, or rule-keeping, had the power to create life in us, we would certainly have gotten it by this time. He's saying, we had the most elaborate religious system, yeah. right? We had rules on rules on rules on rules. Yeah. We, 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 we had so many things that we could do. If we could have gotten justification by a religious process, by a bunch of rules, by, by doing just this and just that, and on the seventh day, and on the twelfth day, and on the fifty-third day. Like, if we could have done it, we would have done it. Yeah. Right? He's saying, but, but obviously, no religious system can get us there. Until the time when we were mature enough to respond freely in faith to the living God, we were carefully surrounded and protected by the Mosaic Law. The law was like those Greek tutors with which you are familiar, they were familiar, I'm not familiar with any Greek tutors, <laughs> who escort children to school and protect them from danger or distraction, making sure the children will really get to the place they are set out for. Right? The law was just like guiding people. It, it's like, uh, stay over here, I'm work, we're, we're working on it, we're going to get you there. Right? Yeah. It's just keeping people in line until God can get them to where he wants them. Like, until he can get them to that promise. Yeah. Right? But you have now arrived at your destination. By faith in Christ, you are in direct relationship with God. He says, why are you going for this, like, this guidance? Right? Why, are you, why are you going back to this that when you can have this direct relationship with God? You've got, this, you've got this law that's kind of guiding you and keeping you where God wants you to be for right now. Why do that when you can just like, ask him? Why do that when you can have that personal relationship? Paul says, you've graduated. Don't go back to a lesser system. I just graduated college. I'm not going to go get another bachelor's degree. 
was not fun. It was, it was not fun at all. I'm going to go back to college. But, but I'm not going to go back to a lesser system, right? I've graduated to the next thing. I'm not going back. It's not, not, not where I want to be, right? It says, embrace the new system of life because it's so much better. It's so much better. This is what God wants for you. Embrace this. So this, this whole idea, the, the whole book of Galatians kind of, kind of comes around this idea that faith is all we need, right? Faith is strong enough. Christ is strong enough. And the inheritance of God can change us, right? As, as I put it here, faith is our response, right? We see what Christ has done, and we respond in faith in him. We respond, I see it, I believe it. I believe that you can, that, that, that you can change me. I believe that everything you have for me is through Christ. Jesus is our redeemer, right? Jesus has the power to redeem us from, from where we were, right? So Jesus is strong enough, right? Jesus, it's, it's, it's not like we need Jesus and something else. Jesus, he's our, he's our redeemer. He is the, he's the, uh, the only power that can bring us out of that, that our, our old life. And family is our reward, right? God's inheritance. God's inheritance is a relationship with him. God's relationship, or God's inheritance is the Holy Spirit, right? Right? We talk about this tension between legalism and license, and it's right here in the middle. That inheritance is what, what keeps us out of that license. Right? That inheritance says, by your Holy Spirit, I'll be changed. And, it, and, it, and it'll bring me into doing your will. But I've got to have that Holy Spirit power. Otherwise, I'm sitting here, don't push the red button, don't push the red button, don't push the red button, don't push the red button. Right? We can't, we can't do it. That family, that, that heirhood, that, that inheritance is the power to stay within God's will. Uh, so let's go back to that. Faith is our response. How do we know that faith is the only response that we need? Galatians chapter 3, verse 26, 26 through 29 says, So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds and heirs according to the promise. Right? Paul repeats himself here a bunch. He says, in Christ, through faith, in Christ, through Christ, with Christ. Right? He's saying like, with Christ, that's all you need. That's just put your faith in Christ. He's saying it's enough. It, it, it's really enough. He says, so in Christ Jesus, you are children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have closed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, nor male nor female. He's saying it doesn't matter. Everything else, get disregarded. Your Jew, Jew nor Gentile, that's your, that's your, uh, your heritage, your, your, your background, right? It doesn't matter. It's disregarded. Once, faith in Christ, that's disregarded. Slave nor free. He said, it, it's disregarded. You're free. Slave nor free makes a difference, right? Male nor female. And that, that was a big difference at the time. We're getting there, right? We're getting there now. But at the time, it was like, male nor female? Really? Oh, I guess they can come. But, but like, he's saying, like, nothing. He, he's, he's laying out a bunch of, like, stratified tiers here, right? Like, the good or the bad. The good or the bad. They can come. 
It's all one. Faith in Christ makes everybody the same. Justified. Right? Justified and free. That's, 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 that's the faith in Christ. Jesus is our redeemer. Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 in the message. I really like reading this. This is a fun one, right? The message, like, really, really kind of gets down to some really cool poetic verbiage, and it, it sounds really good. I'm going to read it straight through. Ready? With the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah, the fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us no longer, having to live without a continuous low-lying black cloud. A new power is in operation. The spirit of life in Christ, like a strong wind, has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. God went for the jugular when he sent his own son. He didn't deal with the problem as something remote and unimportant. In his son Jesus, he personally took on the human condition, entered the disordered mess of struggling humanity in order to set it right once and for all. Set it right once and for all. The law code, weakened as it always was by fractured human nature, could never have done that. The power of Christ's sacrifice is so perfectly complete, it alone is sufficient to save you. Jake talked last week about uh, a man who had incurred a large debt, and his parents came and paid it all off. Incurred a huge debt, his parents came, paid it all off. And then the people that he was in debt to came back and said, you got to do more, right? You gotta, you, there's, there's more that needs to be done. And Paul here is saying, like, no. Like, and that's why Paul is so angry. He says, no, I paid this all. Could you imagine that? Like, you just, you just emptied the bank accounts. He just emptied it. He did everything that he could possibly do. Every card has been played. He sent his son. His son died, right? He's, he's released everything that he could, the most powerful sacrifice that could ever be given. And if we say we need more? No. Jesus is sufficient. He is our redeemer. He has redeemed us, right? We look, we look at, we look at that, that redemption power. We look at, at, at Boaz redeeming, right? That, that, that redemption, it says, you are now family. It says, and, and we don't have debts in our family, my family. We don't have debts, right? He says, you've been brought into the family. There's no longer a debt. It's been paid, right? Now, lastly, family is our reward. God's promise is an inheritance inheritance that is sufficient to change us. And then Galatians chapter 4, verses 4 through 7, one of my favorite verses, says, When the set time had fully come, God sent his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. Because you are his sons, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. The spirit who calls out, Abba, Father, like I talked about earlier. The spirit who, who breeds in us a life of worship. The spirit who changes us from the inside out. God has sent that into our hearts, right? So that now you are no longer a slave, but God's child. Since you are his child, God has made you also an heir. 
God's put your name on his will, right? God said, once you're in, I'm writing your name. You get the full inheritance, right? Or earlier, when, earlier when Paul was talking about the inheritance, like that wasn't, that, they knew this at the time. Now it's a little bit different. But at the time, you're written an inheritance, you're there, right? That inheritance, it can't be taken. It's a, it's a legal promise. So when somebody puts you, puts you in their will, it's a promise. And God keeps his promise, right? God's promise was not just to save us and get us into heaven. Though we are saved through Christ, he also promised the spirit that has the power to free us from sin. Free us from the law and change us to be more like Jesus, right? Family is our reward, right? Faith is our response. Jesus is our redeemer. And family is our reward. That's, that's beautiful to me. You know, we've, we've, we've gained this, we've gained this beautiful inheritance, this, this reward, but still somehow we kind of tend to say it's not enough, right? Now, I want to pray for two things this morning. One, anybody here who feels that they struggle with this, this feeling like Christ is enough or struggling like they have to do something or they just sit there and, and you're trying. You're trying so hard. You're just like pushing this red button. You're just trying so hard to not do it though. And, and you're like, once I can get this taken care of, right? once I can get that taken care of, then God will love me. He'll be happy with me. Right? I, I, I want to pray for anybody here that's, that's having that trouble. Right? So if everybody could just uh, close their eyes and, and put their heads down. It's not because this would be shameful. It's, it's just because I want to create an environment where everybody is focused on a one-way relationship with God, right? You're, you're, you're being honest with yourself and God right now. It's disregarding everything else around you, right? You're just being completely honest with God right now. And uh, if, you're having, if you're having that struggle, you're saying, like, there, I, I just can't seem to figure this out. I just can't seem to stop pressing that red button. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. But I want to give that. I want to give it up. I want to give it to God. If you just go ahead and, and, and raise your hand. Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you right here in the front. Yes, thank you in the back. All right. I'm going to give one more second. God, I just, I just pray for everybody here that, that, that throws their hand, God. I pray that you would, that you would become, be, begin to empower them, God, that, that you would begin to, to, to fill, fill them with, with you, God. And, and if that was you, if you, if you raised your hand, it's, it's time to give it up. It's time to say, I can't do this, right? right? This, is not, this, is not where I, this is not my area of expertise. My area of expertise is faith. That's, that's all I do. And, and, and you got to learn to be really good at it because it's the one thing you do, right? So if, if, you're, if you're in that spot tonight, it's time to put the faith in that area, that, that one thing, put it on God. Just, just say, you, you've, you've got this now. I'm trusting, I'm having my faith in you that it's taken care of. God, God I, I pray that you would begin to, to change people's hearts this morning, God. That, that, that those, those things, they would... They begin, not, not that you would give them the power. I'm not praying that you would give them the power to change this, God. But I, I pray that you would change them from the inside out 
to become more like you, God. The second thing is if you really were feeling like this faith, this redemption of Christ, if, if that's something that you've never experienced and you want to experience that, you, you want to be able to put your faith in Christ to where that's, that's it, right? You've, you've, never, you've never fully done that. You've never put everything on God. You've never said, you are my salvation. If, if you've never done that and that, that, that seemed like something that you're ready to do this morning, I would encourage you to go ahead and, and, and raise your hand. Yes, thank you. This is something that, that we don't like to we don't like to rush, right? We're just, we're just gonna sit right sit right here because I believe God's working in somebody right now, right? God's God's working in somebody and, and I don't want to be the person that's pushed past what God was doing in somebody's life. So we're we're gonna we're gonna wait just one more second. And, and if that's you. So if, if everybody could, could, could join in praying this prayer after me, we're going we're gonna to pray a prayer of salvation. God, I know that I've tried to do things myself in the past, but it doesn't work. God, I, I pray that you would, that, that, that you would come in and, and live in my life. God, I pray that you would give me the power to do what is, what is your will. I know that was a little bit hard to say. Um, I'm just going to trust that you said it. All right. God, I thank you for your son. God, I pray that you would that you would begin to bring your will inside of me. And forgive me of all my sins. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, guys. So, we're going to go ahead and finish our service right there. Uh, thank you guys all for coming out. I hope you guys come out next week. And see, Jake is going to be uh, continuing this series. He's going to talk about Galatians uh, chapters 4 and 5. It's going to be an amazing week. We're, we're really getting down to this issue of slave or free. Am I a slave or am I free? I hope you guys have a great rest of the week. And I will see you guys either in my joy group, Gateway Street, Wednesday night, Wednesday night, or I will see you on Sunday. Thank you, guys. Have a good week.